This is the SEO Mindset Podcast with your hosts, Sarah McDowell and Tasmin Sullivan. This podcast is for SEO professionals and each week with the help of our wonderful guests, we discuss the important stuff that actually affects our careers and progression, but sadly often doesn't get talked about. You know, the invaluable soft and interpersonal skills that are often taken for granted, such as the skills we need for listening, time management, communication, and more. We also talk about the big issues that affect us and our careers, such as burnout, imposter syndrome, self-belief, saying no, plus other big issues and obstacles. With this podcast, we want to share knowledge on topics that unlock our listeners' true potential and enhance not only their careers, but all parts of their lives. So are you ready to prioritize your own personal growth and career development? Then let's crack on with this week's episode. Hello and a very warm welcome to the SEO Mindset Podcast where your hosts are myself, Sarah McDowell and my wonderful friend and colleague, I don't know why I went with colleague but I've said it now, uh, Tasman Sullivan. Thank you for joining us for another episode and I'm very excited because I have a cracking guest joining me. So we have no Tasman but we have an Alex Harford. So Alex is a technical SEO consultant and mentor working for Salience an SEO and marketing agency based in Chester in the UK. In 2023, Alex created a technical SEO academy and coaches new starters at Salience. So with his background, it's going to, yeah. So what we're going to be talking about today is learning SEO from trusted resources. Now, before I get Alex onto the podcast, just a reminder of how you can support me and Tasman. So if you enjoy what we're doing, there's two ways that you can support us. You can head on over to our buy me a coffee page. We'll put a link in the show notes and there you can give us a one-off donation, which we'd be very much appreciative of. And you can also share. So we ask everyone that we can to help spread the word of the SEO Mindset podcast. So the next time you're listening to an episode and you're like, ah, this will be really good for such and such a person, share that episode with them, find that link and share it over WhatsApp, Messenger, say it in person, just help us get the word out. Right, let's get Alex onto the show. Hello, Alex. Hello. How are we doing? Not too bad, thanks. I've got a bit of a cold today, but uh, I think I think I'll be able to get through the podcast just fine. Thank you for soldiering on, and thank you for coming <laughs> onto the podcast. Very very excited to talk about this topic, um, and with your illness, because obviously you were talking beforehand that you were not feeling the best. Uh, maybe that will work well because you know husky podcasting voice, you know, <laughs> bit bit croaky. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I, I think like most people, I don't like the sound of my own voice. So I don't know, maybe I'll listen back to it and think, oh, yeah, that did sound good. <laughs> I don't think anyone likes listening to their own no. voice. And I remember talking to a voice coach one time and it's because you hear your voice differently yeah, when you're talking yeah. every day because of like you're inside your body, which is a weird thing to say, but obviously it's going to sound different when you hear a recording. So because it's, because it sounds different to what you hear day in, day out, you're like, Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. 
Right, so today's topic is how to learn SEO from trusted resources. A very important topic, very important topic for our audience. So let's, to kick us off, what does the term trusted resources mean and why is it important? Uh, To me, it's an author or publisher I've come to trust over time. So I think Moz would be a really good example. Um, I've read Moz. It was called SEO Moz when I started in SEO. Uh, I've used its tools for over 15 years. Um, Say SEO Mindset as well. It's become a trusted resource for me because you and Tasmin speak from personal experience, as do your guests. Um, So from listening to your podcasts, sort of learning about you both through that, I I can tell you're coming from a good place. Um, So that trust branches out into other things you could do. It doesn't have to be career-related or SEO-related. So if I think of one of my hobbies, I really enjoy hiking. And there are certain brands of map and hiking guidebooks that I've come to trust over the years because if I don't trust them or if there's something wrong in one of those guides or maps, it could put me in a dangerous position when I'm out in the mountains or the Mm. wilderness. So, yeah, it's just... um, something that we've we've come to trust i'd say um and i sort of imagine most of us have got at least a few trusted sources whatever the topic so video game reviews could be another there are a couple of websites i trust for video game reviews uh, because they kind of align with what i think about games and they seem to pick up on sort of the negatives that perhaps i wouldn't like in games like if a game is sort of wasting your time i sort of hate feeling like that so yeah i think they just resources that we've come to trust over the years Mm. and yeah why are they important um especially online there's so much misinformation outdated content biased content there's a massive extra influx thanks to all this generative content from the likes of chat gpt and so on that people are just spamming online so it's really difficult to know where to look and who to trust um, I'd say especially for new SEOs, but a lot of experienced SEOs too, myself included. So if there's a, a topic I don't know much about, yeah. sometimes I can find it quite overwhelming trying to to find the, sort of the right information and figure out whether I can sort of trust it. Um, and we've got our own biases as well. So cognitive biases or shortcuts that our brain uses to try and make our lives easier. And they can affect our perceptions of, content and lead us to trust in content that perhaps we we shouldn't um so yeah i think so with that with that kind of knowledge i think it's especially interesting from how our brains work it can help us figure out that sort of who and what content to trust um so if i sort of mention from my own perspective at salience and creating that technical seo academy that you were introduced me with at the start um, I could have just provided a list of trusted sources for sort of new SEO executives that start, but I thought rather than someone relying on a list of just resources I give to someone, whether it's people or publishers, um, if I sort of give people the knowledge on figuring out how to find their own trusted sources and what they can trust, I think that sort of prepares people much better for the future. Mm. And I I suppose a big thing that I was learning when I was new to SEO is, yes, it's you need to know 
what trusted resources are and where you can find them but you also need to think okay it's when it comes to SEO it's not always a one-size-fits-all and not everything that you read is going to be verbatim or like things that you read online their advice coming from someone's particular experience or someone's particular they've been working on a project or how they found it so I think yes trusted resources is important and knowing where to go to but it's how you take that information in as well um so for example it took me a while to sort of okay once I'm learning something or I've been asked to do something that's new or I'm trying to implement something that's out of my comfort zone, rather than just taking it verbatim from what I've read, is testing it and trying it out for yourself as well. Yeah, definitely. I agree. If if there's anything that we can do to to try things ourselves, then yeah. I mean, I feel quite lucky the fact I I used to be a web developer before I was an an SEO and sort of kind of accidentally got into SEO. and, and while I say it's not necessary for SEOs to learn how to code, I do think it's a you know, really good advantage if you have your own website and you can try some of these things out yourself and sort of build, build up um, a bit of a knowledge base in your head of, yeah. of what's worked and what hasn't worked. Exactly, exactly. Because then until you've tried something out for yourself, and it might be different, because all websites are different, aren't they? All websites have their own issues. All websites have their own challenges. And you just need to try stuff out and see what happens, don't you? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's a good example mentioning other websites, because I have some clients I work with who they'll look at perhaps the biggest sort of name in their industry and they'll want to copy what they do on their website and the website might have a really bad navigation and it might be really difficult to find the products that you need um, but because they are ranking sort of, I don't know first or second for these sort of major keywords on Google a lot of people think well we should just copy what they do but no they are perhaps ranking up there because they're such a big brand you know you've got a lot of high street brands in the UK and they've got that history so even if the, the website's really poor I won't mention any names uh, they can they can still rank up there sometimes with some some sort of really bad sort of SEO on the website I mean there, there will be mm. things on the site that are, are good um, but yeah so yeah I, I think always think about those things critically and if, if you can just try, try them out yourself on your and- own website So, and um, going back to sort of when we're reading and we're learning from like resources that we find online, um, is there ways that you can think more logically when you're considering information? Is there like strategies and tactics that you can implement there? Yeah, so I mentioned cognitive biases, didn't I? So they are ways our brain tries to simplify things to make our lives easier. So, for example, uh, some of us might commute to work the same way every day, and there'll come a stage where we'll just do most of that commute on autopilot, and we might not even remember it. Um, Things like driving a car or riding a bike, playing a certain piece on a musical instrument, it becomes second nature with practice. So they're sort of beneficial ways our brain 
makes things easier for us. So, you know, we don't have to think as much and we don't have to use as much brain power. Um, but the, those shortcuts the brain makes can sort of cause us issues sometimes as well. Um, mm. So yeah, there's sort of uh, there's quite a lot of cognitive biases. There's sort of five, I sort of think are worth mentioning today. Um, yeah, so, yeah. So when we're looking at content, so you know, content can be anything, just video, um, a tweet, or, or whatever they are called these days, or an article. Yeah. Um, and we, one of the cognitive biases is we're more likely to believe people we see as authority figures. So the CEO or head of a company, for example, we're more likely to believe what they say, um, whether it's right or wrong. If I put it to the SEO industry, I'll, I'll pick on John Mueller. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think he's, he's great for the... Yeah, poor John. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, yeah, sure, sure he won't mind. But yeah, I think he's great for the industry as a whole. But... Because he's sort of the main public face of Google, and you know Google is by far the biggest search engine in the world. We we we'll sort of look at his anything he posts, like I said, whether it's a tweet or something else. And because he works for Google, we might just think, oh, that's gospel. We sort of just believe what he says because he's got that authority that he works for Google, um, and that that's actually called authority bias, where we might believe whatever he says. So, I do think sometimes. SEOs will take things he says too literally. Um, yeah. So I don't know, like, I don't know if you might have mentioned bold text at some point, and then you, you got a load of SEOs who started bolding bits of text and the content, um, you know, just to try and rank better in Google. But if you sort of think about it logically, well, does the bold text help the reader to read the content? Um, you know, so so authority bias is is one of yeah, the big ones I'd say. Sense. Yeah, and I I definitely I I can see myself falling into that trap because there's definitely there's people that you look up to or there's people that you aspire, especially because I've been working in SEO for around ten years. Um, I think it's over ten years now, um, which kind of goes to like show my age a little bit, maybe mm-hmm. not. Um, but yeah, there's definitely people that I would have taken because I've got respect or I see them as authoritative or knowing you do just take things for verbatim and then you just do them without testing or actually trying it out first so for example with the bold text maybe you wanted to do maybe a better way of dealing with that situation is you read that advice from John but rather than spending all your time and efforts adding bold text to all the pages or your important pages you take one page you do the thing that's been suggested and then you measure it right and then you see okay is it is it worth my time and resources to implement on other pages yeah, perhaps. Yeah, I would always think from a usability perspective. I never think an SEO change should make user experience worse. So I would always just look no. at. Yeah, I would always just look at it and think: Is this making the content more difficult to read? Yeah. You know, you can maybe bold little bits of text here and there so people can scan. Um, you know, scan a bit easier when they're looking at content. But some people just went way over the top and just started bolding. I don't know, Everything. a couple of words in every sentence and that sort of thing. And it just didn't didn't read very well at all. But then, but that's it, isn't it? So part of SEO, it's not just about ranking in 
Google, is it? Or getting traffic to your pages. It is about user experience because Google cares about their users at the end of the day. We've also got things like Eat. I always feel silly saying that because they always add on new mm. E's, don't they? Um, <laughs> but I suppose whatever advice that you're you're given, just make sure that you test it first. And when you test it, don't just test it to see if it um, ranks better or you get more traffic. There's other things that you need to test as well, like your UX, usability. Um, what, yeah, like you said, with the bold text, for example, like what does that do for people reading and stuff? So always, always test, I think is what we're saying. So learn, do your research, but always test what you find out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and think critically. Yeah. And, and also we, we all make mistakes. So everything John Mueller says isn't always going to be 100% correct, um, which is fine. You know, we all make mistakes. I think as long as we learn from them, that, that, that's fine. So I think it's another thing to just accept that people will make mistakes. And, you know, we should always be we're, kind when people do. <laughs> exactly. We're all human. We're all human. Yeah. Yeah. Um, until AI takes over and then... <laughs> Yeah, but that's another kettle of fish. Right, let's talk, let's take, sorry, let's take a short break and we'll continue with this topic after we're back with part two. Hello everyone, Sarah here. Just want to give you a heads up that Google Podcasts will be discontinued at some point in the new year. If you are currently using Google Podcasts, don't fret. You can still listen to our episodes in lots of different ways. We're available on all the podcast playing apps such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon. You can also listen to episodes via our web player on our website. Loads of different ways. In the show notes, there'll be a link to our website and a link to all the directories where you can subscribe. Why should you subscribe? Well, you get notifications when new episodes are available. Hi, Sarah here from the SEO Mindset. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy the podcast and what me and Tasman are doing, you can support by donating as little as £5 to us via our Buy Me A Coffee page. Just head on over to theseomindset.co.uk forward slash donate. There will be a link to that page in this episode's show notes. And also, we'd love it if you shared our podcast with others. The more listeners we get, we can continue to find awesome guests to join us for episodes and talk about important topics. So the next time you are listening to an episode and think someone would enjoy, tell them. Open up the episode in your app, find the share button, and you will be able to copy the link to the episode and send it to them via WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, Slack. There's so many ways that you can help us spread the word. We are back with part two. So we hope you enjoy that short break. And yes, so in part one of the podcast, we were talking about the different biases that we had. And Alex went into detail about authority bias. So Alex, is there other biases that we need to be aware of? Yeah, there's, um, I think, four more 
probably mention if we've got time. So there's another called the bandwagon effect. So if an SEO tactic or something trends on Twitter or TikTok, for example, we're more likely to believe it just because it's trending, irrespective of who shares it. So it might not even be someone we think of as a, as a trusted source in the SEO industry. We just see, oh, that's got hundreds of shares and likes and so on, and we're sort of more likely to believe it. Um, sort of another similar one to that is something called tribalism. So I imagine some people, even if they don't know about these biases, will sort of be guessing already what, what, what some of these are. And so if most of the peer group we're in believe something, then we're more likely to go with the tribe. So mm. say, I don't know, we're in a group of 25 SEOs and say 20 of them believe that subfolders are better to have blog structures in rather than a subdomain. Then even if evidence is presented that says, oh, it doesn't make any difference or a subdomain is better, we're just more likely to go with the tribe, you know, the majority of those sort of 20 people. Is that is that because I think as humans, we don't want to stand out, do we? Or not that we don't want to stand out, but we want to fit in or we want to yeah, be yeah, part of a yeah. community or we want to feel like we're part of something. So in that example, because the so talk about subfolders, subdomains, like you're more likely to go with what the tribe thinks because you want to be part of the tribe and you don't want to go against what the tribe's saying. Yeah, that's it. I mean, in a way, it's kind of similar to authority bias as well, or yeah, it sort of seems to me, I'm not a scientist, um, but yeah, it's, we kind of believe in those people in authority in a tribe. Well, that's kind of authority in itself anyway, isn't it? Because there's a lot of people yeah. who are believing that that same thing. So another cognitive bias is, is called confirmation or reinforcement bias. So that means we might believe something uh, such as the output from a test or case study because it's what we already believe. So if we already believe subfolders are better than subdomains for hosting blogs on, for example, um, and we see a study that says, oh yeah, subfolders are better than subdomains. We might not even look at that study properly. It just reinforces what we already believe. So we think, oh yeah, um, it's what I already believe. Uh, so we, we don't look at that critically because of that. And that can happen in our own testing as well. So we could interpret results as how we want them to appear. Um, you know, sort of, I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say fiddling with the data, but data can be used to show different things, can't it? So kind of unconsciously, we could also run a subfolders v subdomains blog test, for example, and subfolders comes up, oh, that's, that's better. Um, but it, may, it might not be in the data that we have. So it's it's another good one to be aware of, I think. Yeah, and I think when you're running tests or you're doing research or stuff, you're going to be looking for stuff to back up what you want it to back up or you're going mm. to be looking for reinforcement like you say and I've done that so many times um without sort of okay really testing or doing a test before and a test after because if you look for metrics that are going to help back up what you're saying then of course you're going to find them and vice versa like if you want data to back up that what you did before didn't work as well then you're going to find that as well aren't you yep definitely yeah yeah and, and then, um yeah what's uh 
Is there any more? Is there any more biases? Yeah, so th- 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 there are lots more, but I'll just mention one more. Uh, Miriam Jessier also has a, a video about cognitive bias uh, when considering content. So I think we've both mentioned a couple of different ones and she'll talk about it in a different way. So so that's worth looking up. I can share the link to that for, you, for your show notes. Um, yeah, the, the nice. final one Thank you. I would like to mention is called the illusory truth effect. So that means we're more likely to believe something if we repeatedly see it talked about, even if it's not something we believed initially. So it could be an SEO myth. So there are lots of SEO myths out there, aren't there? So something like Google penalizes duplicate content is an SEO myth that many SEOs believe. And, you know, that could be because it's out there on the internet all over the place. So they could have just seen and heard that myth so much that they've started to believe it, even if perhaps their own testing shows that Google doesn't penalize duplicate content. I mean, of course, duplicate content can cause problems for a website, but Google don't penalize it. Yes, and that's a... So knowing the difference between it can hurt you compared to Google penalizing you is two different kettle of fishes, isn't it? Yep. yep. Yeah. Ah, so I wonder, I wonder who started that myth off then. <laughs> Uh, well perhaps i think google did penalize duplicate content in the past there was the panda update which targeted and that kind of thing so at some point it was penalized i think but i don't think google penalizes duplicate content anymore there are other ways it Uh, looks at, at websites for that kind of thing and that's just made me think that obviously google is always changing how it does things isn't it it's always changing its algorithms it's always changing what it's looking at and I mean it can be a bit of a nightmare for SEOs keeping up to date with everything that's going on um but that's a really good point isn't it so things in the past might have been the case but things change right and I suppose that there's a question how how do you know or how can you keep up to date with that kind of stuff like so where it's recommendations that are outdated and then they don't they're not around anymore how can you keep up to date with that hmm, i'd say maybe look at the date the, the article was published i don't know if that's too obvious an answer it, it won't, won't always um it won't always be the right published date on an article of course but um i think it's just keeping up to date so seeing what people are sharing sort of more recently uh, looking at google's official documentation they do tend to be sort of quite good in putting the dates on, on their own documentation on when, when it was last updated. Um, so, yeah, I think just all of these different biases we have, just thinking about them all and sort of thinking yeah. about things more critically. Um, I mean, it, it's kind of difficult because a lot of SEOs will share old content or will still say you know google penalizes content so there are seos that still say that so i think it's kind of the whole thing just thinking of it as a whole and just just being aware that something might be outdated and Mm. again asking other people looking at a range of sources don't just rely on one resource uh, just looking around and and i suppose as well this uh, feeds back into what we're saying earlier is always like test stuff and um so once you've read something rather than just taking it for gospel. So say, for example, we take this thing of like duplicate content as an issue because Google penalizes you. Like if you read that before then being like, oh, crikey, we need to 
um, work on all our pages, make sure that we've got no duplication and we need to spend all our time and energy, slow that process down, take a step back. Because something that I've done is I'm a panicker. I'm a worrier, right? As soon as I read something and I'm like, oh, is that an issue? I jump straight into it rather than taking a step back looking at the pages because you'll know if Google's penalized you for something, won't you? And you can do some digging in Google Search Console. You can look at traffic. uh, You can look at Screaming Frog, crawlers, can't you? Like for that specific penalization, is that even a word? I know as soon as I said it and you said earlier this was a trusted resource Alex and now I'm making up words um but yeah like there's always ways that you can dig and find out first rather than because you don't you don't want to panic other people in your company you don't want to panic your boss stakeholders to so take a step back first and you also you don't want to um waste time or resource because there is only so much time that you've got in a working day haven't you like you need to prioritize so you might put all your efforts into this one thing that you've read when in actual fact it's not an issue and you could have spent it on something else yeah definitely and I think that's a good thing to bring up as well and we we all are different personalities aren't we so if you are someone that jumps into things then perhaps you are the kind of person that does need to think about things a little bit beforehand, a little bit more than maybe some other mm. people will be. And that, that, that's just fine, isn't it? Because we, we, we're all different. So, so yeah. And I think another thing that helps is consciously connect new information to things that you already know as well. So we've got knowledge in our head, haven't we? If we've been in SEO for a month or 10 years, we've, we've, we've got existing knowledge in our head from what we've already learned and what we already know. So a lot of the time, you can connect that to, I don't know, something new to what you already know. I'm sort of trying to think of an example, but um, maybe if someone has said, oh, put all the, the keywords for your, your page in the URL. Um, right. But if you already know that content, written content stuffed with keywords is a bad thing, then you can use that knowledge to think, well, maybe stuffing all these keywords in the URL isn't a good thing either. Yeah, yeah. And there's definite like um, experience that comes with this, isn't there? Or your gut feeling. So, for example, I know if there's if there's anything that's a bit suspicious or you're trying to game the system to rank, then that is not going to bode well in the long run. Like you might get some instant successes, but then over time, like you might be caught out or Google might bring out a new update that deals with that specific thing but I think at the core as SEOs you know what you should be doing and if there's anything that feels a bit iffy to you or anything that makes you feel oh am I trying to game the system here chances are you probably are right yeah definitely I completely agree yeah and also just going back to what we were saying earlier about usability SEO shouldn't make usability worse yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's something that I always uh, try and make sure that I'm always thinking about and relaying back to whoever I'm working with is that like user experience <clears throat> is is important. Like Google, um, SEO should never get in the way of that. It should never hinder how someone views or like someone's experience of the page at the end of the day, should it? 
definitely yeah you don't want to turn people away right we are running out of time sadly so there's a few questions that I want to squeeze in before we have to end so first question Alex sum up the main takeaway from today's episode in one sentence or I could give you two or three if you really need it (laughs) yeah maybe two or three um I might have said this already but uh, I think when, when we're taking in new information, especially if there's a lot of information, it could be quite overwhelming. So I'd say when you're looking at content, whatever it is, um, just consider one of these cognitive biases at a time um, and see if that reframes what you're thinking of the content. Um, and eventually that becomes second nature and you can maybe start looking at another cognitive bias you have. And it doesn't just help in SEO. I think it helps in life in general, any sort of content you're consuming. Um, and sort of think about the author and publisher as well. We didn't go into that so much, did we? But sort of where they might be coming from. Like, you know, a lot of websites that publish content have tools to sell, for example, but still publish brilliant yeah. content. But you can sort of kind of think, well, are they pushing this tool too much? So, so yeah, no, I think maybe to summarize, um, question everything, sort of not publicly. So don't go, you know, just criticizing people online or anything, but in, in your own head, just sort of question things that are there maybe sort of think the opposite like yeah how does that feel thinking the opposite of what it says um so yeah i think sort of be, be curious and question things in, in your own mind and if, also if you do have questions as well i think ask people um so like children ask loads of questions and then for some reason we stop when we're adults don't we so i still think if you're sort of questioning things in a respectful way and genuinely want to learn more about what the author has written about or the publisher then I think that's fine isn't it yeah definitely definitely so many there's so many times on this podcast where like um our inner child or like things that we used to do when we were younger gets brought up um because yeah it, it just applies itself like especially with like confidence and all of that stuff which is a lot of what this podcast is about but you're right we ask questions a lot when we're like younger because we're learning about stuff and we need to carry on doing that because you you'll never get to the point where you're like okay I know everything <laughs> because yep. you'll never get there and that's just because there's so much to learn about okay what's the best piece of career advice you've ever received there's, there's no piece of individual advice that stands out for me but I'd say it's more about the personal relationships that sort of build up over time and the people I work with so Within that, there'll be lots of little tidbits of advice and, you know, really good support that comes from those people. Um, So I'd more say the relationships over the years have been more important than any specific piece of advice. Nice, nice. So sort of like who you've got in your network and who you surround yourself with. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I'm just about 10 years at Salience now. Um, I did take a career break, so I had to take a you know, get away from him for for, for a while. Um, but, uh, but yeah, some people I've worked with for 10 years, so it's a really good relationships that I really appreciate. So, yeah. And relationships go a long way, don't they? And connections. Yep. Okay, yep. last question. A bit tricky. It's going to be hard because out yeah. of all <laughs> the SEOs out there, I'm going to ask you to whittle it down to one. So... If you would recommend everyone listening to the podcast right now to follow one SEO person, who is that person, please? 
Yes, I, I should have scattered more names in throughout the, the whole recording, shouldn't I? It's, it's difficult to mention one, but um, the re- recent article I've read, um, I thought it was really good, was by Jeannie Jones. So it was about entity SEO. Um, it was, I think there are a lot of good examples in there, um, about the kind of things we've been talking about today. So it's sort of links to other sources that shows examples in her biography shows why she's a good person to write that article um so you know there's sort of examples actually in the article as well of why it's a sort of trusted trusted resource um and i remember remember her brighton seo talk i'm not sure if it was last year or the year before as well on um sort of structured markup that was really good as well so i think entity seo is something that should be talked about a bit more in the in the seo industry so it's good that uh, we've got Jeannie jones to sort of give us these brilliant articles and there there are a lot of um, good tips in her article as well so I suppose that's that's one to share for your show notes as well I guess. Yes yes I was just going to say we'll make sure that um, all of Jeannie's where to follow them is in the show notes so we'll make sure that um, Alice's can get access to that. Well, Alex, I'm afraid to say that does bring us to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much. And this was such a valuable conversation. And I'm just going to have to get you back because I feel like there's a lot more that we can talk about or go in depth on. So uh, watch this space, folks, because Alex may be back with us. Um, Before we go, where can people find you? So if they want to carry on the conversation or they want to ask you questions or whatever, just say hi. Where are you? Uh, I'm not the most active person on social media. I, I finally joined Twitter a couple of years ago, but then Elon Musk started ruining it. So I'm Alex <laughs> yeah. Harford SEO on Twitter. There's no T in Harford, uh, sort of common misspelling. LinkedIn, you can follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, if you Google Alex Harford SEO, I, I will show up at least for the time being. So, yeah. Nice, nice. Well, I'll make sure that your links are also in our show notes and then people can find you. And yes, I would just like to remind you again, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, if you do enjoy what me and Tasman are doing with the SEO mindset and you want to support us, you can do that. You can give us a donation. So we have set ourselves up on Buy Me a Coffee, which is a platform that allows um basically creators so me and Tasman are a creator creator of podcasts um yeah it allows people to accept donations from their listeners so go and check that out link in the show notes thank you very much and share so if you have found and I'm sure you found this episode with Alex so valuable so helpful so share it share it with your friends family if you've got pets even share it with them you never know (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but yes right Alex, let's say goodbye until next time. Uh, Thanks very much for having me. It's been good fun. Bye.